in these evening sessions as we study through the benedictions. This evening we come to Paul's prayer in Romans chapter 15. If you've got a pew Bible, it's on page 1141. Romans 15, verses 5 and 6. We've just been singing, glorify your name, glorify your name, glorify your name. And what we're going to see from these verses is that Paul's prayer is that our goal, the church's goal, should be God's glory. Romans 15, verses 5 and 6. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's prayer is clear, it's direct, it's simple. What it comes to is this, our goal is God's glory. And let's pick up three points from the prayer. Who? Who is he praying to? What? What is he praying for? And why? Why is he praying it? Who? First question. Who is Paul directing this to? Well, Paul's writing to the Christians in Rome. And these last few uh, chapters of his letter to the Romans is full of exhortations to them. It's uh, exhortations on how they should behave one to another. How they should relate to the wider world uh, around them, how they should behave before the government. But here he pauses and he redirects his attention. Instead of this being a plea to the church, this is a prayer for them. On their behalf, he prays, verse 5, to the God who gives endurance and encouragement. Note that he's not praying that God will give them endurance and encouragement. Uh, he's praying in the knowledge that God has already given that endurance and encouragement to them. So what does he mean when he prays about this endurance and encouragement? Let's look back to verse 4. For everything was written in the past, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Verse 4, for everything that was written in the past, so that through that we, may have, we have endurance and encouragement. Verse 5, may the God who gives you endurance and encouragement. Same words. Paul's hope comes from the scriptures, uh, from the encouragement that we have there, from the God of hope who has revealed himself through those scriptures. It's all here. It's within the scriptures that we uh, see God revealed. That's where Paul's hope comes from. That's where our hope should come from, through the God who has revealed himself to us and who we see writ large through every page of the scripture. From the be very beginning, God has revealed himself to us. The Lord spoke and created something out of nothing. The Lord spoke and called Abraham and told him that he would make him into a great nation. The Lord spoke and told Moses, I am who I am. The Lord spoke through the prophets, and finally, ultimately, he spoke 
through the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. So as Paul prays for the Romans, first of all, he also reminds them, this God you're praying to, this is the God who has already given you endurance and encouragement through the scriptures which give you hope. So who is Paul praying to? He's praying to the God who gives us endurance and encouragement through the scripture. Secondly, what is he praying for? Verse 5, again, may the God who gives you endurance and encouragement do what? Give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. Let's pick a couple of things out just from that phrase. First, this is unity among yourselves. We're not called to unity with those who reject Christ. We're not called to unity with false teachers. We're not called to unity who, with those who acknowledge Christ, but by their words and by their deeds demonstrate that they are not following him at all. Secondly, we're called to unity, not to uniformity. Let's put this in context. Paul's prayer comes in chapter 15 after a chapter through chapter 14 of him encouraging the Christians in Rome to accept each other in their differences. Chapter 14, verse 1, accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. Verse 13, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Verse 22, so whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. If you've got time later, go back, read the whole of chapter 14, chapter 15 to this point, and put those verses in context. We're being called to unity, not to uniformity. The ESV translates it as live in such harmony. Unity doesn't mean that we agree with each other on every single matter, but it does mean that we bear with one another in our differences. But note that even among ourselves, this is not limitless. If our behavior, if our words, if our example is not following Christ Jesus, then we must still expect a brother or sister in love to challenge us, to bring us to task on that. Paul prays for unity as we follow Christ Jesus. The first call, therefore, is for us, for us to follow. Finally, from uh, verse 5, most importantly, this unity is a work of God. Paul is not exhorting the Romans go and be unified. He is praying to God on their behalf that they may have unity. If it were within us simply to agree with one another, uh, we would do it. But we don't. Uh, we want to be right, not to unite. Uh, and our disunity can be clothed in all sorts of justifications. We might be saying, we are the ones who are really modeling what Christ would have done. We are the ones who are really modeling what the early church would have done. We are the ones who really understand Scripture. But Paul prays, as we should pray for ourselves and for our brothers and sisters in Christ, that we may have a spirit of unity. Who are we praying to? The God who gives us endurance and encouragement through the scriptures. What are we praying for? For unity 
as we follow Christ Jesus. Why are we praying for that? Verse 6, so that with one heart and mouth we may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I might pray for unity so that as a church we would work more efficiently and effectively together. Or I might pray for unity uh, so that uh, we don't cause hurt to one another. Um, But Paul says, no, we're not praying to be efficient or empathetic. We are praying for God's glory. Our goal should be his glory. Note that Paul says with one heart and mouth. It's easy for us to be united with one mouth. We don't find that too difficult. We can sing together, we can serve together without being together at our core. But Paul says with one heart as well as with one mouth we should be glorifying God. I may not agree on a disputable matter with my brother or my sister in Christ. But have I truly settled in my heart that I am united with them in following Christ? Paul's already made reference to Philippians 2, uh, where Paul, uh, writing to the Philippians, said that each of us should consider others better than ourselves. Our attitude should be the same of Christ Jesus, who made himself nothing, who humbled himself. Is that really the state of our hearts? Is that really the state of my heart when I come to pray? Is it really the state of my heart when I'm considering whether I'm united with Christ, when I'm discussing something with my brothers and sisters? Is my starting point one of humility before Christ, Humility before all that he has done for me as a sinner, recognizing that he has died for the sins that I have committed, for my brother or sister's sins, uh, and that I ought to be considering them more highly than I consider myself. So as we come to prayer now, let's consider, let's hold these three thoughts in mind. One, We pray to a great God who has revealed himself to us to give us hope, to give us endurance, to give us encouragement. Two, that we pray for unity because it is a gift of God. And three, that the goal of our unity is God's greater glory.